Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This is the American Veteran Show. Proud to finally say these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous national asset. Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors. But as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews highlighting their commitment to our country. I want to thank the courageous men and women who've served their country in uniform. Less than 1% of the population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military. And the other 99% of us, we owe them. Online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephen Tubbs. Welcome to this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. Thank you, as always, for joining us. And, of course, if you ever miss a past episode, simply go to our website, AmericanVeteranShow.com, and click on Past Shows. It's a pleasure to have you this Labor Day weekend. Hopefully you can spend time kind of as summer winds down. But for the third week in a row, we dedicate this program to Afghanistan. How could we not? Last night in Kabul, the United States ended 20 years of war in Afghanistan, the longest war in American history. Of course, it is not without controversy. We will get into that and talk about the past week out of Washington and from halfway around the world straight ahead. We couldn't do programs like this without our presenting sponsor. Thank you, as always, to attorney John Boson. His website, bosonlaw.com, B-O-E-S-E-N law.com, fighting on behalf of veterans every single day. Their number, 303-999-9999. In April, I made a decision to end this war. As part of that decision, we set the date of August 31st for American troops to withdraw. The assumption was that more than 300,000 Afghan National Security Forces that we had trained over the past two decades and equipped would be a strong adversary in their civil wars with the Taliban. That assumption that the Afghan government would be able to hold on for a period of time beyond military drawdown turned out not to be accurate. But I still instructed our national security team to prepare for every eventuality, even that one. And that's what we did. So we were ready when the Afghan security forces, after two decades of fighting for their country, and losing thousands of their own, did not hold on as long as anyone expected. We were ready when they, the people of Afghanistan, watched their own government collapse and the president flee amid the corruption and malfeasance 
handing over the country to their enemy, the Taliban, and significantly increasing the risk to U.S. personnel and our allies. As a result, to safely extract American citizens before August 31st, as well as embassy personnel, allies and partners, and those Afghans who had worked with us and fought alongside of us for 20 years, I had authorized 6,000 troops, American troops, to Kabul to help secure the airport. As General McKenzie said, this is the way the mission was designed. It was designed to operate under severe stress and attack. And that's what it did. President Biden from the White House last week. After more than $2 trillion spent in Afghanistan, costs that researchers at Brown University estimated would be over $300 million a day for 20 years in Afghanistan, for two decades. Yes, the American people should hear this. $300 million a day for two decades. You take the number of $1 trillion, as many say, that's still $150 million a day for two decades. What have we lost as a consequence in terms of opportunities? I refuse to continue the war that was no longer in the service of the vital national interest of our people. That speech was incredibly controversial, not only among the veteran community, but certainly on our regular program. The president at times getting angry. Personally, I felt like this was the wrong tact to take, especially with the deaths of our 13 service members as this botched operation wrapped up. But the president again, uttering basically his message from the beginning. To those who wish America harm, to those engaged in terrorism against us or our allies, know this. The United States will never rest. We will not forgive. We will not forget. We'll hunt you down to the ends of the earth, and we will. you will pay the ultimate price. Coming up, we will pay respects to the 13 service members who sacrificed their lives in the name of this operation and to get people out. We'll have much more as well on Afghanistan this entire show this Labor Day weekend. Congresswoman Lauren Boebert from this past week. As the Taliban celebrate victory from an unconditional surrender, we with the House Freedom Caucus demand accountability. It is time for action. The American people are fed up. I'm fed up. The people standing here with me today are fed up. 13 service members killed, $85 billion worth of military equipment abandoned, thousands of Americans left stranded, hundreds at this point. It should be enough for even the weakest, wokest members of Congress to step up. I would hope that just one Democrat would have the courage to join us that one Democrat could do more than the so-called commander-in-chief who could only look at his watch while moms received the remains of their babies in Dover. Yesterday, terrorists killed someone, strung a person up by our very own Black Hawk helicopter and flew him around for all the world to see. Even Tony Montana 
would be ashamed, embarrassed, and disgusted at what's happening right now. The truly oppressed, the Christians, the women, the children, the ones who dared to believe in freedom, they won't be rewarded for taking a knee. They'll be raped, they'll be slaughtered, all by savages using America's military equipment. After 20 years of war, Joe Biden, or whoever's telling him what to do nowadays, made the Taliban stronger than ever. Make no mistake, members of the House Freedom Caucus are not standing here today because Nancy Pelosi called for an emergency session of Congress. No, we're standing here because Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, and Kamala Harris, and every person they've put in a position of leadership failed our brave men and women. They failed our brave men and women of the United States military, and they failed the American people. Think about it. Speaker Pelosi called us back into session to begin the process of spending trillions and trillions of dollars. We damn sure can be called back into Congress for this. Congresswoman Lauren Boebert from last week. Coming up on the American Veteran Show, you'll hear from the Secretary of Defense, the Joint Chiefs Chair. You'll also hear more angry Republicans who took to the podium and discussed their own service in Iraq and Afghanistan. And the common theme is they all say how saddened they are at the lack of leadership. The Congresswoman mentioned the $85 billion worth of equipment left behind. Now, we're supposed to believe from the Pentagon, none of the equipment really worked. The kinds of equipment we're talking about, while certainly there's a lethality component to it, it doesn't threat. It doesn't pose a threat uh, to the United States. It doesn't pose a threat uh, to uh, to neighboring nations. I mean, these are not these are not the kinds of things uh, that the Taliban can make great strategic use of. Admiral John Kirby, Pentagon spokesman. We're just getting started here this Sunday on the American Veteran Show. When we come back, 13 service members were killed, as you know, and we hear from one family from the Rocky Mountain West. And that comes up next. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. We have a continuing obligation, <clears throat> a sacred obligation to all of you, families of those heroes. That obligation is not temporary. It lasts forever. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show. We continue now with Stefan Tubbs. Glad you're with us on this Labor Day weekend as we begin segment two of the American Veteran Show. And so much has been said, so many arguments you have seen on television and heard on radio and opinions and social media posts. But may we never lose sight of the fact that at the end of America's longest war, there was tragedy. And we remember
we remember United States Marine Sergeant Joanny Rosario, 25. United States Marine Corporal Hunter Lopez, 22. United States Marine Lance Corporal Kareem Nakui, 22. United States Marine Lance Corporal Riley McCollum, 20. United States Marine Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz, 20. United States Marine Lance Corporal David Lee Espinoza, 20. United States Navy Corpsman Maxton Soviak, 20. United States Marine Staff Sergeant Taylor Hoover, 31. United States Marine Corporal Deegan Page, 23. From the United States Army, Ryan Naus, 23. United States Marine Corporal Umberto Sanchez, 22. United States Marine Sergeant Nicole G, 23. And United States Marine Ricky Thompson, 21. May they rest in peace. Riley McCollum was from the Rocky Mountain West. His home, Jackson, Wyoming. He was expecting his first child. His family spoke with Fox News. Um, Riley was the funniest kid you ever met. Um, he just had such a great sense of humor and was always cracking jokes and making everyone around him laugh. Um, and he was just loved so much and made everyone else just love. Yeah, he he was the light in everybody's life when they needed it. He was a gold-hearted kid, and he he very much put everybody else before himself. He, even people he didn't know well, if they had a hard day, he was the one beside them and wanted to make things better. Um, yeah, what they said, he, he had a heart of gold, um, good kid, um, always wanted to stand on the side of right. He, want, he wanted to do the right thing no matter what. Um, he always was seeking justice for those that, that he thought weren't, weren't getting it. Um, yeah, good kid, proud of him. Jim, where the passion for the Marines come from? Uh, I I wanted to be a Marine, but medically I was was disqualified, and it was just something we talked about as he grew up over the years, and then uh, it just kind of evolved and developed. And he wanted to do something to make me proud. Um, he didn't know how proud of him I was, and uh, it just kind of it, it evolved from there. And on his 18th birthday, he he joined, he he enlisted, and. Uh, to make to make me proud, and it was not a passion that he had. He wanted to do something bigger than himself. Wow, man, he grew him. up. He grew up quick. Uh, Marries Gianna, kid, uh, child on the way. Cheyenne, did what was his reaction when he heard about his deployment? Do you know? Um, we, I mean, he wasn't scared at all. He, he, I think he was ready. I don't want to say he was excited, but he. We knew it was coming, and when we got the official word, he actually was supposed to deploy in October, and then that was postponed um, and pushed to the April deployment when he actually left. So he had the time to prepare and get ready and spend the time with his wife, and I think he was he was ready to go. He knew what he was getting into, and that's what he signed in for, and he was ready to serve his country. Wow. Uh, Royce, yet, go ahead. I'm sorry. He, was getting deployed to um, Jordan originally, and so he was there and not in Afghanistan. So uh, tension wasn't high. It was uh, supposed to be a pretty easy deployment in Jordan. Um, and, yeah, it wasn't a super stressful um, message for any of us at that time. 
when all the uh, 13 came back uh, to, and there's 18 struggling uh, for their lives now in Germany, uh, at the whole world stopped and was transfixed, even though it was a weekend afternoon to watch. I couldn't imagine what it was like for you, Jim. Afterwards or before, I'm sorry for not knowing, I know you met with the president. What was that like? I, uh, I actually declined the meeting with the president. Um, we went to a different room. When he came, we, we went to a separate room. I, I had no desire to, to meet with the president. Why? Uh, the way he has handled this, uh, everything he's done, every step along the way has been absolutely backwards. And I don't understand the process of how, how they came to the, the decisions that they made. Um, a high school kid could make better decisions than they've made in this. They, they have fumbled the ball every step of the way. And the I, go ahead, uh, Royce, you did, right? My sister no. Cheyenne did. Uh, Royce yeah. and my dad choose, cho chose to leave the room. I, I chose to stay with my brother's wife. She wanted the chance to look him in the eye um, and see if it was going to be a sincere conversation or apology. Um, and I was able to stand about 15 seconds of his fake scripted apology, and I had to walk away. I heard he talked, he talked about his son, and he talked about the service. What made you feel like it was fake? He would not look us in the eye. There was not a ounce of sympathy looking at his face. It was a, he tapped her on the knee and said, I know what you're going through. I lost my son. It was more about his son. My son wasn't mentioned. He, it, it was his, his son and about him and nothing to do with the 13. He actually, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah, he, he stayed with Riley's wife after I walked away for maybe a minute more. He talked to every other family for about 10 minutes, if not more, and we got maybe three tops. Wanting to be with her. Um, we're missing my son all over again by not being able to be with her. She, she's the piece that brings us all together now. You guys got real close, real quick. Uh, is there anything uh, any of you need, Cheyenne? Is there anything people watching right now? You got millions of people watching. The minute this happened, we don't think about numbers. We don't think about uniforms. We think about people and families. Uh, anything, uh, Royce, do you guys need that people at home could help you with? The outpour of just love from complete strangers and the help that we've received from the community has been amazing. Um, I couldn't have asked for more. I, I was blown away just by the number of people that have reached out, um, even just to say, you know, we're so sorry for your loss, all the way to, you know, your brother's the reason I didn't quit boot camp, and I'm so glad that I had the chance to meet him. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been amazing. The stories that we get from people that knew him, um, pictures and videos, that's just kind of keeping him alive and showing us parts of him that we hadn't seen before, and we love it. My son was one of the Marines that died yesterday. 20 years and six months old getting ready to come home for Jordan to be with his wife to watch the birth of his son. And that feckless, dementia-ridden piece of just sent my son to die. 
I woke up at four o'clock this morning to Marines at my door telling me my son was dead to have her on right before me and listen to that piece of talk about diplomatic with freaking Taliban terrorists who just blew up my son and know nothing to not say anything about oh my god I'm so sorry for the families so my son is gone and I just want all you Democrats who cheated in the election or who voted for him legitimately you just killed my son the McCollum family from last week on Fox News and again to our service members and those wounded rest in peace and our prayers are with you this is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show. We continue now with Stephan Tubbs. Thanks so much for tuning in on this special Labor Day edition of the American Veteran Show. And as we slowly wind 2021's summer down, Hope you take time out this weekend as well, not only to rest and relax, but to remember those American families in grief. As we continue, last week, the defense secretary and the Joint Chiefs chair took to the podium Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. I know that these have been difficult days for many of us. And as we look back as a nation on the war in Afghanistan, I hope that we will all do so with thoughtfulness and respect. I will always be proud of the part that we played in this war. But we shouldn't expect Afghan war veterans to agree any more than any other group of Americans. I've heard strong views from many sides in recent days, and that's vital. That's democracy. That's America. As we always do, this department will look back clearly and professionally and learn every lesson that we can. That's our way. But right now, it's time to thank all those who served in this war. Because you are the greatest asset that we have. You. The extraordinary men and women who volunteer to keep us all safe, and your families. So my prayers are with you, and with the Gold Star families who lost loved ones in Afghanistan, and with the warriors who mourn their fallen brothers and sisters, and with those who bear the wounds of war to body and to soul. We will never forget what you did and what you gave. Our country owes you thanks that won't fade and support that won't falter. The war has ended, but our gratitude never will. Lloyd Austin, Defense Secretary there from the Pentagon, the Defense Secretary as well as the Joint Chiefs Chairman, General Mark Milley. Both of them served in Afghanistan. Some of those brave Afghans will be coming to make new lives with their families in America. After careful screening and security vetting run by our interagency partners, 
We're temporarily sheltering, sheltering some of these evacuees at military facilities here at home. And I'm proud of the way that our military communities have welcomed them. Some of these courageous Afghans fought alongside us. And they and their families have more than earned their places in the land of the free and the home of the brave. And welcoming these Afghans isn't just about what they've done. It's about who we are. Now, as one mission ends, others must go on. From the Pentagon there, you may be aware this last week that Colorado Governor Jared Polis made the announcement that many of the Afghans that are, in essence, refugees, that they will be and would be welcomed here in the state of Colorado. I do urge you, though, and we have said this on our regular program, don't just focus on how many people got out. But, of course, over the last few days, and we continue to wonder their fates, focus on those who have been left behind. Back to the Pentagon. Now the war is over, and we're entering a new chapter, one where our diplomats and our interagency partners take the lead. We're part of an urgent team effort to move Afghan evacuees out of temporary housing in intermediate staging bases in the Gulf and in Europe and on to begin new lives. And I'll be traveling to the Gulf next week to thank our partners there who have done so much to help save and shelter Afghan civilians. I want to end with a word to the force and their families. I know that these have been difficult days for many of us. And as we look back as a nation on the war in Afghanistan, I hope that we will all do so with thoughtfulness and respect. I will always be proud of the part that we played in this war. But we shouldn't expect Afghan war veterans to agree any more than any other group of Americans. I've heard strong views from many sides in recent days. And that's vital. That's democracy. That's America. As we always do, this department will look back clearly and professionally and learn every lesson that we can. That's our way. But right now, it's time to thank all those who served in this war. Because you are the greatest asset that we have. You. The extraordinary men and women who volunteer to keep us all safe, and your families. So my prayers are with you, and with the Gold Star families who lost loved ones in Afghanistan, and with the warriors who mourn their fallen brothers and sisters, and with those who bear the wounds of war to body and to soul. We will never forget what you did and what you gave. Our country owes you thanks that won't fade and support that won't falter. The war has ended, but our gratitude never will. 
Again, from the Pentagon, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. And a decision made on the fly here on the American Veteran Show. With all due respect to the Joint Chiefs Chair, General Mark Milley, he basically acknowledged during the same press conference that, yes, it was tough, and no, we will not forget. We're going to put him to the side, no offense, General, but I want to get to, again, as I mentioned earlier this segment, about those left behind. Like it or not, and whether the White House likes it or not, people are stuck, like these students at the American University in Kabul. We are living a nightmare right now where there is no hope for future. We have destroyed everything, every single document that we have gotten from universities, such as our high honor award certificates, appreciation letters, etc. And it's so hard to destroy them. It's so hard to destroy your achievements. We have left with nothing. And at that morning, we were received a mobilization email regarding our evacuation process. All the students arrived and boarded the buses on time. When we reached to the uh, vicinity of the airport, they, um, and after being waited for almost eight hours, we were notified about the cancellation of the operation as per the fact that the airport gates were closed and there were no rescue flights for us. And it was really this disappointment. Like, we, we really thought that we're going to have a future and, and, and we're going to finish our uh, studies and, and going to have a future. And we, we could determine to our futures and, and studies, but we couldn't. And, and it really killed us inside. We cannot, we cannot, like, even breathe. We, we are, every second of our life is surfing in, in, a, in a situation that, and it's really hard. Yeah, I was reading some information from another of your fellow students who said that internet providers have shut down their businesses, that some of the money is frozen, that the campus has already been taken over by the Taliban. And as you just mentioned, you are a young woman, a young female student who is stuck in Afghanistan right now. Are you scared? Of course. We are scared, not just me, but all my fellow students are scared. We, we, uh, I, I don't know how to explain, but it's just really hard. We, we can, we have no future. We have no, actually, we have abundance at homes. We cannot go outside. We are scared of, of confront Taliban and they would, they would do something with us as they have already have, uh, have published and uh, in social media that we're gonna kill you and we're gonna rape you, something like that. But we are, we are locked at homes, actually. We, we just scared of every knock that happened in on our doors. So we are very scared and, and we ask for help. We ask the uh, world community to please help us. Don't, don't turn your back to us. We, we are in need. We, help, we need help. We need help. Stuck students at the American University in Kabul, and they're still there. Our final segment of the week as we continue to dedicate this program to what is going on, the developments surrounding Afghanistan. We'll wrap up the show coming up next. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. As we wrap up this edition of the American Veteran Show, thanks as always for your time as this. For the third week in a row, we dedicate the program to Afghanistan. And as you enjoy this Labor Day weekend, this is not shame and guilt, but it is fact. As you hear this, there are Americans and those with even special immigrant visas or SIVs, they are still in Afghanistan. 
So perhaps keep them in your thoughts. We do try our best. It's very tough at times, but we do try our best to keep this show as non-political as possible. Sometimes it is impossible. And because this was such a savage ad, listen to what the Republicans have put out just in the last couple of weeks as the Afghanistan drama unfolded. Afghanistan cannot be as a terrorist base. But Afghanistan has become a Disneyland for terrorists. We plan for every contingency. Total chaos. It is heartbreaking. It is depressing. It's a failure. And he needs to own that failure. Their responsibility for all that's happened. He did not admit any mistakes. He did not uh, offer any change, of course. He says we're going to continue forward. He really isn't taking responsibility. Mr. Biden, you did this. You made the deal with the Taliban. This is the consequences of it. Go to hell, Biden. Tens of thousands of people being left behind. There's American citizens left. We're going to stay here and get them all out. We did not get everybody out. Dozens and dozens of U.S. citizens went to the airport, and the gates never opened. The mission hasn't failed yet. If this isn't failure, what does failure look like exactly? But uh, there's, you know, there to be... Now, perhaps it is not a surprise that late last week, the president's approval rating was at 44%. Earlier in the program, we played you House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, the congressman from California. Late last week, he had another press conference. Do not recognize the Taliban. Let's be very clear. ISIS-K, Al-Qaeda, and Taliban are all just fruit from the exact same tree. And no wad of cash delivered to the Taliban. I think that's what America expects from their elected officials. I think that's what America expects from this administration. Kevin McCarthy there. At the Pentagon, they continue to tell all of us that they are working as best they can from outside of Afghanistan to continue getting Americans out. And at the State Department, Secretary of State Tony Blinken, he held a press conference Friday afternoon ahead of the holiday weekend. Uh, There have been questions about the backlog of SIV applicants and why more of these men and women weren't already out of Afghanistan by the time the evacuation operation began. So let me give you a little bit uh, more context on this. When we took office, we inherited a backlog of more than 17,000 SIV applicants. The program was basically in a dead stall. Uh, There had not been a single interview of an SIV applicant in Kabul uh, in the nine months uh, prior to us taking office, going back to March of 2020. Uh, COVID-19, of course, uh, was a major impediment. Uh, As you may know, uh, the process for approving uh, a special immigrant visa is not a simple one. There are 14 steps laid out in a statute passed by Congress. These are congressional requirements. They involve multiple departments and agencies, not just the State Department. The most time-consuming steps often aren't handled by this department. We were determined to fix this. We continue to process as many SIV applications as possible. We're exploring alternative ways to process applications so applicants don't have to wait in Afghanistan until we're finished, but instead, uh, if they can go get there, get to a third country for additional processing before coming to the United States. We've also now learned from hard experience that 
the SIV process was not designed to be done in uh, an evacuation emergency. Uh, there are lessons here that we need to learn, we will learn, even as our work continues, ways to make the program run more e efficiently, more effectively. Again, the Secretary of State. First, uh, our new team in Doha uh, is up and running. Second, we're in constant contact with uh, Americans who uh, remain in Afghanistan uh, and may still wish to leave. We've assigned case management teams to each remaining American citizen who's expressed an interest in leaving. Uh, as you know, uh, starting in March, we sent 19 separate notices to American citizens in Afghanistan, encouraging and then urging them uh, to leave. Most of the remaining American citizens are dual nationals whose home is Afghanistan and whose extended families live there. So it's no surprise that deciding whether or not to leave the place they call home is a wrenching decision. Perhaps taking a cue from the president, Tony Blinken, as he wrapped up his Friday press conference. And Afghanistan is home. And so it's especially wrenching for them to make the decision about whether to leave or not. And in a number of cases, we were in contact with people who told us at first that they didn't want to leave, then decided that they did, or some who said, yes, they did, and have now decided that they don't. My only point here is that we are in very direct active contact uh, with this group, and there's absolutely no deadline on this work. Uh, we're going to be in very close touch, and uh, as they uh, desire to leave, uh, we're going to make sure that we're doing everything we can to help them do exactly that. Thank you very much. Mr. Thank you all. And the Secretary of State exited stage right. He walked away, much like the president has in many of the press conferences. We'll continue to be on top of this, and may God bless those that are still in Afghanistan. And we wrap up. We're going to do this on an appropriate note, but uh, it may it may be a tough week for some, even here in, in Colorado, as we come up on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And may we remember those families. May we all remember how we felt nearly 20 years ago. And may you remember all of those military families, those injured and those killed. May you remember them and their sacrifice. For producer Matt Steinkruger, I'm Stefan Tubbs. We'll talk to you next week with a brand new episode. And remember our troops.
Searching for last-minute gifts? Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC and save 20% on select 750-milliliter bottles. That's 20% off gifts for the hard to shop for, 20% off gifts guaranteed to fit, 20% off gifts to celebrate the season, and 20% off a little gift for yourself. Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC, in stores and online, now through December 21st. Please sip responsibly. 